either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Not as many new movies to check on this week, which is timely because it gives us time to give some Oscar picks. Because it's Oscar weekend, so that's good. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with a big, loud, bloody one in theaters and HBO Max. Day and date release. MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. It's Mortal Kombat. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. Means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. As Mortal Kombat. Okay, so they made a couple of these in the 90s, and I didn't see either one. Did you? I did not. Okay. I know they were PG-13, though, so there's no reason right, to see them. Right, which is why a lot of the game fans that, that I know are really excited about this one, because they see it's rated R. Full As di- it needs to be. It does need to be. Well, I guess I just have to take everybody at their word, because neither one of us are gamers. You, I don't know anything about this game. You said you may have played it at one no, time. No, I've, I've played it a few you times. Uh, you know, I worked. I worked in a bar that was a, a, a oh yeah, an arcade. arcade. Yeah, you back in the day, you, you didn't back have in... to play that Jurassic Park game all the time <laughs> with our son like I did. But I'm thinking now, was that the game that Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd were playing in Forty Year Old Virgin when they're saying, "I know how how do you know you're gay?" Oh yeah, remember that? That was that what they were playing? Yeah, where okay. he pulls his heart out. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. one of the reasons. That, so it's it's a it, at the time it was quite a notorious game because it's a fighting game, and it was I think one of the very first fighting games. It was actually uh, patterned after uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, you could kill your opponent even after you defeated your opponent. You know, it would say finish him, <laughs> fatality, and you could do things like tear his heart out and then watch it beat things like that. And people were mad about. That that, right. that seems so anyway, and that's one of the reasons why the the video game was so you know popular is because right. because of that. And so to have a PG thirteen, yeah, it's like I, having okay. a you know biopic about Freddie Mercury that's PG thirteen. <laughs> it doesn't make no damn sense. Nice. All right. So I get that. I get the excitement then, um, even though I'm, I'm coming at it with no frame of reference. But I will say when they do make the Frogger movie, I'm ready. <laughs> I will be ready. That will be scintillating. Because let me tell you, I was a frogger champ. <laughs> Peen. Anyway. Okay. So Mortal Kombat, it's rated R, and it, boy, it, it takes advantage. It really earns that R. Also, thank God it does. <laughs> yeah. Because there are stretches of this movie that are just insufferable. Yes, there are. And the whole setup, here's basically what I got out of it. We're in this, this universe where there are all these different realms. Uh, Earth realm has lost the big tournament nine times in a row. And I guess by rules of this universe, if you lose one more time, you will be taken over for good by the evil outworld. Am I am I right about this? I I have absolutely no idea. I mean, it was just the silliest because, you know, I think that's what's going on. So Earth, they have to assemble their champions, and some of them are picked by the this birthmark, this Cole, our hero here. He has what he thinks is has a birthmark, but it's not. He's been chosen because of his bloodline. He's one of these champions. 
And if you kill one of the people who have that, then it jumps onto you, and then yeah. you get to be a champion, and right. you get to go to the next, you know, right. level and, up and find out what your superpower right. is. Exactly. Because some of these champions, including Cole, they don't know what their superpower is. They have one, but they don't know it until they're put in these extreme situations, and suddenly you you find out what your superpower is. So, yeah, a lot of it early on is insufferable. The dialogue is horrendous. The acting is just about as bad, except for the one guy. Thank the Lord for the character Kano, yeah. the Australian guy, yeah. who keeps it until they really get down to the nitty-gritty. He keeps it at least watchable because he's funny. He's really funny. He's got some great lines. He delivers them well. I mean, it's not to say it isn't watchable. The um, the fight choreography is pretty impressive. It really is. Right. Right. Up, up until the, yeah. But, I mean, uh, we've seen a couple of good fights at that point. It's just that the acting and writing are so stupid. Stupid. Josh Lawson. Got to yeah. give him his props. Yeah. Uh, he is he is funny. He is he's funny. the personality of the movie until they get down to the real, real fighting. And boy, and once they do, the, I mean, heads and guts are flying all over the place. I think the opening, you know, seven, eight minutes are interesting as well. It's a, it's like, it's a flashback. Yeah, to the you know. 1600s. Yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah. And, and it looks pretty good, and the fight sequences are good. I mean, that's really, right? That's all you need to know. Yep. Did you think Mortal Kombat was not going to be dumb? It's dumb. Dumb as hell. <laughs> but um, the fight sequences are really well done they're very bloody and gory they uh, you know he drops a couple of callbacks to uh, there's an obvious kill bill call out there's oh. a, a Ricky O and then also some some uh, actors that actually i mean in a lot of ways i think he doesn't really take great advantage of um Kakihara is in this and by, by and by he you're talking about director right Simon McQuoid right i mean but but i mean it's hardly again Nobody had super high expectations, did we? It is a very bloody movie, and it's it's cleverly bloody. He, you know, he he makes great use of sort of nods to the video game itself, and also to some, I don't want to say classic, but some memorable martial arts yeah. film yeah. kills. And it's got a couple of people that I never, I, that I knew, but I didn't realize I knew. First of all, playing Sonya Blade is Jessica McNamee. And she's not good in this movie, but you pointed out that back in the day, she is the goth girl from The Loved Ones. Right. She also played Margaret Court in Battle of the Sexes, and it, was, it was perfectly fine. But I cannot believe she's from The Loved Ones. Yeah, she is. Wow. And then, of course, I had no idea either from Itchy the Killer. Right. Right. Kakihara. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite on-screen characters. I say villains, but I mean, the movie is nothing but villains of, of all time. It's amazing. Amazing. So you've got that. You're going to see some callbacks and these... Maybe if you're if you're familiar with these films that we were a couple of uh, recognizable faces, but uh, yeah, it's it's if you're a fan and you are looking for this action and you're looking for this blood, you will find it. Yeah, you will find it in spades. And as we've said on all the shows that we've done so far this week, talking about this movie, it's incredibly stupid, but we'd probably see it again. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think for the. For the people that have been waiting on this and have and have the deep love of the game, I think you're probably going to be satisfied. Now, here's the thing about that, though, is that I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter because there were people who were who do love the game, who deeply love the game, and who were really sad that this movie wasn't like three hours long because <sighs> they're not going to give the backstory of the different uh, characters their arc. So if, if that's uh, the type of love you have for this, you're not going to enjoy the film. You've got to wait for the Snyder yeah, Cut. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, this is, this is just sort of a, it's a stitched together bunch of interesting kills with yeah. not much of a plot a ridiculous plot yeah. um you started to encapsulate it i mean it's it's just a ridiculous <laughs> plot and it doesn't it doesn't do justice if there are any characters that you deeply love if there are any grudge matches that you're looking forward to none of them really get it. they all get 
very little. And the big villain is Sub-Zero, and yeah. I'm wondering now, I sw- wasn't Sub-Zero one of the guys in The Running Man that Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> had to fight back in? And I'm wondering, who got that first? Who stole from who? But uh, we'll f- figure that out another day. So Mortal Kombat, yeah, you know if it's your kind of thing, I think, going in, and uh, I'd be surprised unless you want the three-hour Snyder Cut. Oh, my God. If, if you're not satisfied. Uh, big and dumb and bloody as all get out, and it's in theaters and on HBO Max right now. Let's go to one just in theaters this weekend. When a young loner becomes the gestational surrogate for a single man in his 40s, the two strangers come to realize this unexpected relationship will challenge their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the particulars of love. It's together, together. To my sperm, to the donor's egg, and to your uterus. Cheers. Cheers. We should have better boundaries. Are we friends? Aren't we? I think that if we are, in order for this to work, we shouldn't be. It's not about being attracted to one another. Just because you're not like together together doesn't mean that you haven't created a bond. But I'm really worried that you're probably making a little straight white guy in there. That's the whole plan. Oh, I just just gave him a podcast. But here's another really impressive film from writer-director Nicole Beckwith. Yeah, this is only her second feature. She did a film I don't think either of us saw in 2015 called Stockholm, Pennsylvania. But uh, this is one where I knew in in the first two minutes I was probably going to like it because she just uses fantastic dialogue, organic dialogue, to set the characters and the stakes and just do it right away. Remember how well they did it in Queen and Slim? Yeah. You're just like, okay, that look at that. I know these people already. Yeah. Uh, same same deal here with a lot much lighter subject matter going on. But you've got Ed Helms. Uh, he plays uh, the forty something. He's a single man. He he's alone, but he wants children. So he hires the surrogate, twenty six year old, uh, played by Patty Harrison, and she is going to, with a, of course an, an egg donor, carry his child and. It opens on an interview between the two. So we get to learn about the two of them, and then we follow from first trimester until labor their connection. And it's weird because it's it's a rom-com without the rom. Uh, it's a different sort of, as, as one character says, they're not together together, and that's right, where you get the title. Right. But it's so smart and insightful and and witty. It is it's laugh out loud in a few moments, mainly about these two uh, from these two side characters. There's a a medical technician that they go to see when she gets her ultrasounds and and things, and then there's a coworker of hers of the surrogate mothers that's like a barista in a coffee shop. They both have some laugh out loud moments and some some good lines. The rest of it mainly is just very witty, very smart. And very, very insightful. I mean, it touches things, obviously. I don't think I've ever seen a movie about a single man who wants to be a father. and use. I think this is new territory. I think so, right? too, right. So that's nice. And you learn a little bit about surrogacy. And then just about how you can have these love connections and home connections without the romance. Right. And, and, and as the synopsis says there... Uh, redefining the boundaries, especially what he wants, what he thinks early on once he settles on her as the surrogate and she accepts what his expectations are and how she feels like, no, 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 come on, we got to have boundaries here. And that's, they both learn. And then you both, and then you learn about both of them. Why, what are his 
deeper reasons for doing this and what are her deeper reasons for doing it on her part. And you peel back those layers. They're two terrific performances. Ed Helms, you start with the nerd, you know, the, the goofy nerd persona that he usually does. Right. And then he adds a depth to it this time. It's a really fine performance. And Patty Harrison, who I really didn't know, I looked at her resume, and she's done mainly TV and a lot of voice work. Mm -hmm. Great performance here. Really, really good. I think this is a real breakout for her. And as I mentioned, some good support characters as well. But it just feels so fresh. It feels very comfortable, like, like you've been here before, even though you haven't. And it feels very right on time, even though it feels overdue. It's it's really sort of a a unicorn of a movie, and that just having that feels like oh, I love seeing that. Yeah, you know? absolutely, something new. Right, and this it, it keeps you engaged, and you're it's it's not slap your knee hilarious, but it is funny and witty and smart and insightful, and very much uh, recommend together together. It is in theaters. This weekend, but you said, what, in a couple of weeks it'll yeah. be streaming? Yeah. But definitely d recommend checking that out. Let's do a horror comedy next. A crew of hardy road workers, led by a bickering father and son, must survive the night when they accidentally awaken an ancient Irish vampire. Nice. Boys from County Hell. This land belonged to Avertag. He drained people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough. I saw something weird. Who's fucked that? Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire on my set! Fucking move, will you? Lend me ten pounds and I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> Boys from County Hell is a Pogue song, and that's a line from it. And yeah. I, I just was immediately excited to watch whatever movie they used from... From that lyric. And this is actually, it's an adaptation of a short that was very good, that was made maybe five or six years ago, from writer-director Chris Bow, who's clearly Irish. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and, you know, it's um, it's an interesting kind of a take on things because it feels like maybe it's going to be a little bit of a comedy. It, it's almost kind of a coming-of-age sort of a film. But what it really comes down, and it's obviously a horror film about this vampire, and it's a comedy as well. But what it comes down to really is, it's a father-son film. And it's a really nice one. It's a really good one about, you know, uh, a, a father's just sort of dismissive attitude toward the son who grew up to not really be much of anything. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they live in this very, very small town and they everybody hangs out at the only pub in town called the Stoker. And it's called the Stoker because, allegedly, this is where Irishman Brahm Stoker found the uh, legend that he used to inspire Dracula. And Dracula, by the way, is fiction, whereas this guy isn't fiction. So it's the first thing they do when they when they make that clear is they just throw out the myth of the vampire. And they're going to come up with an entirely new mythology, and it works because they basically said, none of that stuff is real. This is real. And um, what it winds up being is not an entirely successful attempt at something like maybe what Grabbers did a few years ago, like a very different idea of sort of a space invasion, sea monster kind of mm -hmm, a film, mm -hmm. focused on this one very small community in Ireland, and the whole point is just look how Irish these people are. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And this one is, is this on VOD? Shudder. Shudder. Nice. Well, there you go. So That's if, right. It's our if, friends at Shudder. Yeah, and if you already have Shudder, as we've been talking about, they've had a lot of good content here lately. Uh, this is definitely one to check out. Irish vampire horror. Yes, please. Boys from County Hell. A straight-up horror movie next. Gray is an indie singer who is having visions that she is a wolf. 
when she gets an invitation to work with notorious music producer Vaughn Daniels at his remote studio in the woods, she begins to find out who she really is, bloodthirsty. I suffer from hallucinations. I hallucinate that I'm turning into an animal. We're leaving. This place is doing something to you. It's not this place. You can't run away from your destiny. It's not safe for you here. Do you want to be a predator or do you want to be prey? I know you love a good werewolf movie. Yes. So we're moving from vampires to werewolves. That's a good week. Uh, But this one has a lot of promise in what it's trying to do. It just unfortunately doesn't really develop the idea too much. And it's interesting when you're going to take on a werewolf movie, so much of it is about the transformation, right? You expect, number one, you expect you're going to see some transformation because so much about werewolf lore is about either the literal transformation, right? Right. Or the metaphor. What's what's going on here? And we have seen the one that comes to mind, of course, is Dog Soldiers, where clearly they didn't have the biggest budget for the transformation in the wolf scenes, but they pulled it off. They did pull it off. You know? Yeah. This one here, they clearly don't have the the budget for flashy CGIs or even uh, flashy practicals. And that and that's a problem because then you look toward the metaphorical angle to be that much stronger. Sure. And it's not. Right. Even though they start out with something decent. You've got uh, Gray, as I said, this, this singer, and she and her girlfriend go to stay with this produce at this producer's home studio, this big mansion type place in the Canadian wilderness. So right away, if you're gonna you're gonna channel this through a lesbian artist having some creative crossroads, okay. All right, that that has possibilities. Especially with a with a male power structure, right? right? With the, that could represent the industry itself. Exactly. And you think maybe that's where they're going here. What are they trying to say? But she's also Gray, the character is also a uh, vegan. So then you start to have these temptations from the producer with giving her meat and increasingly raw meat. And then if you've seen the movie Raw from a few years ago. It's a masterpiece, by the way. It's going to be very familiar. And unfortunately, it's going to come up pretty short as as far as uh, comparing to that movie. You also have uh, Gray is having hallucinations, as it said there, about turning into Wolf. And she's, she's given meds by her doctor. And in two scenes, her doctor is played by Michael Ironside. Right. And it's it's almost distracting because it seems like one of those parts that they just cast to get a name in it. Okay, Michael Ironside, he's available. Let's give him something. Right. It's, it's almost yeah. distracting to that point because um, it doesn't really add much to anything. She got meds, and she has a little conversation with the doctor. But anyway, so you don't have really engaging transformation scenes once there's any werewolf stuff going on and you don't have an effective metaphor either so uh, unfortunately that's that's it really hampers this movie um, it's directed by Amelia Moses and the lead the lead uh, actress is Lauren Beatty she plays great she also starred in uh, Moses's last film called bleed with me and then interestingly enough it's written by Wendy Hill tout and her daughter who goes by the name of Lowell, mm-hmm. who is also a musician, and she provides most of the original songs that the singer character does and records. And some of those are very, very gothic sounding and very fit the mood, but it does, it, it turns into a sort of a gothic 
mystery of seduction, and then when they get to the reveal from the mystery, it's not that shocking at all. You have probably guessed it by now. So uh, I, I like where this started. I just don't like how it was developed, and I think by the end, if you're if you're a, a horror fan especially or a werewolf movie fan, you're looking for some blood. If you're bloodthirsty, you're going to be left wanting because it just doesn't, unfortunately... Just doesn't come through in the end, and that was that one is streaming now called Bloodthirsty. And this next one sounds like a horror movie, but it's not. A look at the lives of trauma surrounding three people living in a southern town. The title is Beast Beast. Neato. You go to high school? Yeah. Yeah. Panthers. So that's another episode. Time shooter. Leave any questions in the comments. I'm actually gonna be committing more time to my show. The technical side of weapons. Krista, what is it? Some jealousy and rage. Overreacting? Would you consider lightning in overreaction? Now this one is from the Madden Brothers. No, no relation. No relation. It's writer-director <laughs> Danny Madden starring his younger brother, Will Madden, mm-hmm. who you may have seen. He's been an actor. He was in um, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which we like so much. Right. And Jim Cummings is actually a producer right. on this movie, as is Alec Baldwin. Yep. So they've got some names behind it. Uh, but the Madden brothers did this one, and this was actually reviewed by Brandon Thomas at MadWolf.com, and he loved it. In fact, he called it one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, he absolutely did. And he said, you know, I think what he pointed out that is so impressive about this is it is a coming-of-age story, and those are hard to do, and this film makes it look easy. It's very naturalistic. It, you know, the performances are very authentic, even though the situations maybe are not. It's a it's a fascinating movie, incredibly well-told story, great performances, highly recommend. And we mentioned Will Madden, but a couple of the other names that Brandon thought was very impressive in the cast, Jose Angelis and Shirley Chen, leading the cast, that Brandon thought everybody was just great. Yep. And again, you can check out his written review at madwolf.com. And before we head to the lobby to get the latest news... And the Oscar goes to... The biggest news this weekend is that it's Oscar time. Sunday night... 93rd Academy Awards, uh, live on ABC. So let's run down our picks really quickly. Uh, Some we're pretty darn sure of, some a little more shaky. Uh, Let's start with the supporting supporting actress. We are thinking, you you got to say it. Yunya Chung. Grandma. From Minari. Yeah. Uh, Early on, you've you've convinced me, because early on I was saying Maria Bakalova from Borat. Uh, but I think you're right now. But I think if there's going to be an upset, it's going to be Maria. That could be, although I would be shocked. So we're going with uh, Minari. Grandma from Minari. Best Supporting Actor. That is, we think it is is a lock. Yeah. And it should be, even though it's. we're going with uh, Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah. As we've said before, it's crazy that his co-star is also in this category, Lakeith Stanfield, who's great. He should be in the lead. Because you have to wonder if if Judas and the Black Messiah were both supporting (laughs) in this film, who exactly was the lead? Yeah, so we're thinking Daniel Kaluuya, I don't know, do you think there's any chance of an upset? I really don't. No, I don't. Who who might it be? I don't know. Also, I would just like to say that um, I think that there are a tremendous number of incredibly great performances this year. Daniel Kaluuya eclipses them all. 
Incredible. Uh, it was, I was. I, I mean, it was easily the best performance of anybody's on any level that I saw this you year. Just, you just could not take your eyes off him and, and, at any moment. He was no. an, incredible. So he's going to take that. Best original screenplay we think is going to Promising Young Woman. We do. Uh, best adapt, adapted screenplay we think it's going to Borat. Yeah, I mean that's the that's a pretty tight race. It really, really is. And right, I'm going with Borat for a number of reasons. Uh, really, just sort of that it won the Writers Guild Award. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, just because there is some overlap in the voting pool there, that might just give it the edge. But that's a tight race. It is. It is a tight race. Uh, best actress. We're going with. This is tough. This is, might be the tightest of any of these categories. We're going with Viola Davis. But a lot of people think it's Frances McDormand and Vegas. Not only does Vegas have Carrie Mulligan, but just last night, Carrie Mulligan won the Independent Spirit Award. Yeah, yeah. and uh, But even if you look at the Vegas odds, they're very close. And they should be. I mean, this is a, this is incredibly packed very category. I mean, these guys, these th- these women were so magnificent. All of them were. Frances McDormand, here's what I just want to say. So she's been nominated twice for Best Actress. She's won twice for Best Actress. I kind of like the idea that that's just who she is. That's how badass <laughs> she is. Every time she gets nominated, she wins. That would be funny. But, and she was great. She was so great. And but, Carrie but, Mulligan, also magnificent. But Viola won the SAG Award, which we think is a that's more of an indicator. It is an indicator, yeah. Again, because of the overlap in the pool yeah. of, of voters. And I just have to say that I think there's the slightest chance, if there's an upset, that it could come in this one because everybody is so tightly packed. It's I just think it's a possibility of it being Andre Day, who was that unbelievable she was. as Billie Holiday. It's not a great movie. Yeah. So that might hamper her, but and, but still, even so, and you know, and I hate to just I hate to talk about all of them and leave off Vanessa Kirby. She was so magnificent. Yeah, and I would say if Vanessa Kirby nominated for Pieces of a Woman, it's a tough movie. It's very, very, very emotional, but boy, it's worth seeing. I don't think she has any chance of winning. No, but she was incredible. All <laughs> yes, these, she was. All these women were incredible, but we're going with our ballot. We'll say Viola. Viola F. Davis, right. uh, best actor. That is, we're pretty sure of this one. Even though last night Riz Ahmed won at the Independent Spirit Awards, we think it's Chadwick Boseman. We do think it's Chadwick Boseman. And as you have said a number of times, that's not just a sort of you know honoring the fact that we lost him this year, uh, but but that he was amazing, amazing, amazing in that role. Totally, uh, director. We think Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, is going to happen. Yeah, I don't see anybody else winning that. I mean, she's won every predictor coming into this and it's an utterly astonishing feat of direction yeah. that film is yeah i feel that's 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 pretty solid and looking for best picture we think it's going to come down to either minari or nomadland with nomadland winning right and you know you said earlier and i think that there might be something to it because the because we've said before the the way that they vote on best picture is different than it is for any of the other categories mm-hmm. and because of that it's very hard to predict because that you vote once and then they drop the lowest vote getters. You vote a second time, they drop the lowest lowest vote getters, and you could even potentially vote a third time. Which means if you voted for twice for the lowest vote getter, yeah. your third choice. That could be a lot of people's third choices. So basically what tends to happen for best picture is it's not the picture that generated the most passion. It's a picture that nobody dislikes. So we think it's going to be Nomadland. That has all the momentum coming into it. It could very well, as you're saying, be Minari because it's hard to dislike Minari. But it could also, for by the, the same formula, it could easily be the Trial of the Chicago Seven because that's the clearest historical Oscar Beatty kind of picture. That's a yeah. picture. So you know, it just depends if they're going to be very old school Oscar. It could be Trial of the Chicago Seven. And for what it's worth, it won ensemble. 
for the SAG Awards. Um, I don't think it's as worth mu- as much as the acting awards, you know, translating from right. the SAG to the right. Oscars, but still. Uh, we're going with Nomadland. Right. And we will see on Sunday night. Okay, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. We're back in the lobby to check in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. Always got the latest news. What's happening this week? Well, Solomon Kane and Rogue director M.J. Bassett has another Animal Attack movie arriving on VOD Indian theaters on May 28th. This one's titled Endangered Species and apparently centers around a rich American family in Kenya being hunted by all sorts of dangerous wildlife. I thought Rogue was pretty decent, so hopefully that one will turn out well. Perfect for, uh, what? that'll be Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah. Sounds like it. <laughs> uh, July, we'll see the release of a pair of acclaimed documentaries. Disney's Searchlight Pictures will put out the Sundance hit Summer of Soul on July 2nd. Oh, I, I cannot wait for that. Yeah, I figured you might like that one. Yeah. I'm interested in it as well. Yeah, I cannot and wait. And then on July 16th, Universal's Focus Features is releasing an Anthony Bourdain documentary called Roadrunner. Oh. I think that's by the same person who did um, Won't You Be My Neighbor. The uh, Oh, yeah, the Mr. Rogers. Mr. Yeah. Rogers talk, yeah. Shutter is releasing the indie Festival Horror Favorite, The Boy Behind the Door, on July 29th. Annapurna and United Artists will be putting out Paul Thomas Anderson's new film at the end of the year. It'll begin a limited theatrical run on November 26th, followed by a wide release on Christmas Day. That one doesn't have a title yet, but it stars Bradley Cooper. Oh, my. I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson has done a bad movie yet. Uh, Neither do I. And I absolutely love Phantom Thread. Yes, yes. they're They're all so good. Looking forward to that. Cool. Also in December, on the 22nd, will be a second Downton Abbey movie, which I guess they'll be shooting this summer. And then, mostly, the only other big thing of the week uh, just revolves around ownership of digital content. You know, I'm a big physical media person. If I really love a movie, I just like to buy it on disc. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people do digital rentals and purchases. Yeah. Well, both Apple and Amazon are being sued by people whose purchases have been removed, you know, due to ever-changing licensing agreements over the years. But a federal judge rejected a motion to dismiss one such case this week involving Apple, stating Apple contends that no reasonable consumer would believe that purchased content would remain on the iTunes platform indefinitely, but in common usage, the term buy means to acquire possession over something yeah. that seems plausible at least at the motion to dismiss stage that reasonable consumers would expect that their access to content could not be revoked. Yeah. 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 So that's been a big problem, I know. And with music as well, people will buy stuff on iTunes or Amazon, and then two years later, all of a sudden, their purchase is gone. Right. And they don't get a credit for it. Yep. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm a big physical media, especially with music. I mean, I'll go buy the CD, and I always feel going in there looking for it. I'm showing my age, but... It's you know I, I want to have it physically, and I even had to go out since uh, computers don't have drives anymore. I had to go out and buy a external CD drive just so I could put those songs onto my computer. But I still like to have I had to hold in my hand. Oh, I feel the same way, and <laughs> I don't know if it shows my age. You know, I'm only I'm 37. I don't know if I can say only 37 anymore, <laughs> but I, I still love to buy CDs. I buy Blu-rays. Yeah. Sometimes I even make myself mix CDs for road trips. So <laughs> it's a lot harder to do that with digital. And if yeah. you can't always count on your purchases, right, right, still being there, that's that's you feel like you're wasting your money. 
Yeah, that's I don't I don't any reasonable person. No, I I think it's reasonable to uh, to expect if you buy something, it's yours. Yeah, hopefully they'll get that worked out. Although I suspect what will happen in the long run is that Amazon and Apple will just switch things over to only saying rent. Yeah. Instead of buy right. to get around that, but at least people will be more aware of what they're getting themselves into. Exactly. All right, you can always catch up and get the latest news from the Schlocketeer. You can find him at. The Schlocketeer, Daniel Baldwin. Thanks, as always. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, boy, next week they're making up for a quiet week this week. We got a bunch, and we'll probably have more, uh, starting with In Search of Darkness. Murder, Barry Wynn. Here are the young men. Best summer ever. Oh, I watched that last night. I cannot wait to talk about it. Also, Youth Men. Percy versus Goliath. Cliff Walkers. Four Good Days. Boy, that one's going to kill me. The County. Golden Arm. The Outside Story. Truffle Hunters. Man, I watched that weeks ago. Yeah, you did. Whew, I got to remember. And, oh, Without Remorse. That is the new one from Michael B. Jordan, right? Yeah, so, yep. All right, got a lot. We've got quantity, hopefully quality next week. Uh, in the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything this week. Do you love that gory gaming in Mortal Kombat? Let us know. And I want to talk about the Oscars, too. Maybe yeah. some Oscar How's predictors. your bracket hold out? Yeah, how's your bracket? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> how's your Oscar pool going? Uh, you can always let us know. Keep the conversation going. It's easy. Find us on Twitter. It's at Mad Wolf. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and other fun stuff, like our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So until next time, enjoy the Oscars. Get in touch if you can. And uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>